Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to have Amy and Andrew with us this morning. And Erica, glad you're here. It's good to have Rachel Hickman with us this morning. I've known Rachel since she was knee-high to a grasshopper, I think. And we're thankful you're here. We love you, girl. It's good to have the McGarrities with us. Aren't you thankful for Brother McGarrity this morning? Can we just give him a hand this morning? I recognize that all of us are just basically building on the shoulders of those who've come before us, and we're so thankful for the ministry that Brother McGarrity had here and is still doing, still evangelizing and ministering, and so we're thankful for him and Vicki. God is so good. Woo! You feel good? Amen. Amen. We're going to jump in. Is that all right? Last week we talked about Isaiah chapter 9 and 6. Last two weeks we talked about him being the wonderful counselor. We talked last week about him being the mighty God. This week we're going to, we're going to try to do two in one, right? He's the eternal or everlasting father and the prince of peace. And uh, so, I'm excited. What, what if your mother named you Superman? <laughs> I heard somebody say she did. <laughs> I mean, that would be hard to live up to, wouldn't it? Superman? It'd be kind of difficult. That was actually a lady in Sweden who... who that was her plan, was to name her child Superman, but the local government had the veto power uh, to veto it. It was a name that would cause further persecution to a child in, in future years. And so she had wanted to name her child Superman, but they vetoed that. Of course, it caused a little conflict because people had named their child Batman. <laughs> Can you believe that? People had named their child after, you know, other figures, you know, Thor, and right? There was kids named after their superhero soccer player. However, still in that same tone, there was conflict because others were named uh, and had the ability to get their name put out there like that. I'm Batman. <laughs> but you know, I mean, could you imagine wanting to name your child Superman? I mean, the reason that she, this lady wanted to name her child Superman was because the child came out with his hand pointed out like Superman flying, you know? So, <laughs> so it's like, Superman, woo! So she changed the letters, you know, changed the spelling a little bit uh, to try to get it to pass, but to, to no avail. But you know... Would you want to live up to that expectation? Because in reality, if you were named Superman, there would be this expectation that you would be super. Now, I was super in trouble a lot <laughs> by my parents. I might have been super at something, but it wasn't what I wanted, needed to be super at, right? But can you imagine that, though? Jesus 
was born. Even 700 years before his birth, it was prophesied by Isaiah in this, uh, in this chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that he would be called a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an eternal or everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Can you imagine carrying those titles as, as humans? It's unimaginable. It's unthinkable. We couldn't live up to those expectations and all of those things that would go along with those names. But there's one who has. There's one who came and he's lived up to those expectations and he's carried those names and he's fulfilled every word of that. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, has lived up to every, that, every bit of that. That's awesome. So when we look at this scripture and we see and, and we go into this talking, we can see that Jesus has given us the greatest counsel. Aren't you glad you have a wonderful counselor to lead you and guide you? And not only does he do those things for you and is able to be there when you're struggling and has the answers when you don't know what to do, but also he's the almighty God and he's powerful and he's able to step into any conflict or any situation and whatever the enemy has meant for harm he can turn it for your good isn't that awesome praise God praise God and then we see that he is the everlasting father when I look at this scripture and, and I really looked at different things in studying this a lot of people leave out everlasting father but to think that Jesus himself has come to reveal to us the everlasting father i mean when you think of who he is i mean when he came it was stated that no one has seen god no one has seen god and and when we think about it our understanding of god in our humanness is uh, behind a veil if you will it is obscured by what we see of our natural earthly fathers how many would agree with that and we see that so many times we our concept of God is, is cruel and detached because so many fathers are de detached from their kids. Look, I, I know that uh, I have done my best, but I'm not a perfect dad either. How many of you are perfect dads? I mean, I've got these handsome young men right here. But you know... I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that God's given me the compassion and love that when I have made mistakes, I've, I've, I've walked before I've known the circumstances. How many have ever done that before? My daddy used to, you know, before I could even explain, let me that, that, whack, right? <laughs> Couldn't even get a word in edgewise. He's already got the belt like a whip, you know, like a lasso. And... And I'm sure that I have jumped to conclusions before, but I'm so thankful that God's given me the grace to be able to sit down and say, Son, uh, I'm sorry I jumped to conclusions. Will you forgive me? Because I love you and care about you. And want you to know that Daddy's not perfect. And the thing is, is we have this idea that God sometimes is detached, or we have some who would say that he's a harsh judge, just anxious, uh, ready to condemn, right? 
we're scared, you know, people walk in fear of God because, not because of who he is, but because they're afraid of what he will do to them, right? Walking in fear. But I'm so glad Jesus came because Jesus came to reveal to us a father who loves us, a father who is kind and gracious, a father who understands our circumstances and cares for us. And although he is just a just God, he's also a forgiving God. And aren't you glad that he's a forgiving God? Amen. Because none of us are perfect and we need the forgiveness of God every day. So when we see that this is the Messiah who has come, the, the King, the Anointed One, He has come and is called the Everlasting Father. And, and I'm so glad that He will be there forever and ever to, to we can lean on Him and trust Him and he, he will not follow the pattern of brokenness that so many of our fathers have passed on to us, but He will walk in faithfulness and truth and He will be there to encourage us all the way. Amen? And when I think of a father, I think of, you know, what is it that I long for the most of a father? What is it that I need most from that, that father figure? And, and, and when I think of that, it's that all of us long for approval. We long for the affirmation of a father. I remember even being a foster parent and having foster kids and and, and even though in the worst state that child came, and knowing their situation and their, the father's situation, many of them didn't even know who their father was. But they were longing for that affirmation. They were longing for the, the, the trust and love and compassion of a father that would, that would hold them and give them that affirmation. Say, son, you're doing a good job. We need that. I mean, I'm 46 years old and still love to call my parents just about every day. And I love talking to my dad and love telling him something that I've done. And he said, man, that's good, bro. That's good. Don't you love that? When daddy says, that's good. Rachel Lowe and Ricky says, that's good, girl. You're doing good. Love it. So we need an affirmation. We need that, that touch and and God has come, Jesus came to show us this affirmation. When you think of John chapter 4, here's this, this story of a young lady in Samaria who has, uh, who's come to the well, and Jesus is sitting at the well. And he says, hey, I want something to drink. <laughs> That's the PDV, right? Paul Dyer version. Give me something to drink. And she says, wait a minute, what are you doing talking to me? I thought Jews wasn't supposed to talk to us Sumerians. Wait a minute. He says, look, really, if you really knew who I was, you'd be asking water from me, right? And he, and he, and he begins to tell her about this water, and, and she's like, what? Are you greater than our father Jacob? I mean, he drank from this well. He gave us this well. He drank from this well, and and and." It, and are you greater than him? He said, listen, the water that I give you, you'll thirst no more. He says, if you drink this water, you're going to be thirsty again. But the water that I give you, you'll thirst no more. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, he says, the water that I give you, when that water gets into you, it will be a living well springing up to eternal life. I mean, no, an eternal father gives you eternal life. Amen? And here's the affirmation part. He says, go and tell your husband. Uh, 
back the truck up, y'all. He just, he just caught her, right? He just found out about her. No. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, yep, you're right. Not only do you not have a husband, you've had five. And the one you're with right now is not your husband. She goes, whoa. She says, I perceive you're a prophet. Right? And then he speaks life into her. How many know that the Lord knows who you are? And even knowing who you are, knowing all of your mistakes, he still speaks life into you. Thank you, Jesus. He still affirms the person that you are. He doesn't favor the sin that you're in, but he affirms the person that you are because he created you. You're the workmanship of his hands. I'm so glad that when God found me, he accepted me for who I was. But even accepting me for who I am, he loved me enough that he wouldn't leave me in that same state. Amen? I don't know where you were when he found you. I don't know what situation it is when he found you, but I'm so glad that he's still working on me. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, when I think of another few chapters down the way was John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, here there's a woman caught in the act of adultery. And she is literally drug out into the, into the community and, and, and people have picked up stones ready to throw them stones to kill her right there. And Jesus looked around at the crowd and says, He who has no sin, cast the first stone. Woo! And y'all quiet this morning. Y'all have y'all's coffee? You get up this morning? Your tea? Your Dr. Pepper or whatever it is you drink to get you going? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just kind of stepping through here. I just want to love on you a little bit. He who has no sin, cast the first stone. And, and Jesus knelt down and began drawing in the sand. I, I wonder what he was drawing. You know what I'm saying? What was he writing? And he gets back up and he looks around and and, and everybody's gone except this woman. Woman, where's your accusers? Where are they at? He says, well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Even in the awful state that she found, it wasn't that she could make excuses. She was called to the act. Some of us, you know, we, we're, we're never, we never have a problem until we get caught, do we? Nobody ever knows what's going on until we get caught. And, blah, blah, blah. and then, then it's like, well, she did that, and he did that, and this is why I'm doing this. And then we play the blame game. But here she was, caught in the very act of sin, and Jesus still affirmed her because she was valuable. I mean, understand that the people you see who are broken and who are out there struggling, who are who, whether they're on the side of the street or living under a bridge, they're still valuable to God. He still cares for them. He still wants to affirm them. He still wants to love them. He still wants to show them that there's a better way. And if they'll just come to Him, if we can bring them to Him, if we can compel them to come to Jesus, that He will accept them just the way they are, and He will love them enough to transform their lives. Amen? Thank God. Come on, let's give God praises out. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Because, you know, God's not looking for me to perform. I mean, I, I can do everything that I can do to the best of my ability, and it's still not good enough to, to deserve the love and glory of God. He's not looking for me to perform. He's not looking for me uh, to come to Him, and I'm on this trial period. Well, you know, you're on probation period. I mean, sometimes religious people do that, don't we? People come in, well, you're on probation. We'll just see how you, see how you act. And if you act good enough, then we might let you in. Right? Don't we do that? We'll see how they are. Well, let me tell you something. He's not, we're not on a probation period with God. He's saying, come on. Whosoever will, let him come. Amen? And I'm so glad that we can come to him. We're not on probation because his love is great and is awesome. And even though we're unworthy of receiving that love, even while we were yet in sin, he died for us because he loves us. Amen. And I believe that some of you need to hear this morning that he's whispering in your ear, keep on going. Keep on trusting. Keep on believing. Keep on holding my hand. Keep on knowing that I'm with you. You're not alone because my love is greater than every problem you may have. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that he affirms us. I mean, God, the creator of the universe, was so crazy about you. Think about this. He's so crazy about you that he was willing to allow his son, his only begotten son, the, the parakleos, the substance of his substance to come. And he was willing to let him walk on this earth, suffer the way we suffer, struggle the way we struggle. And, and knowing that he came as the king of glory and just as the first Adam died and we were forever in sin, Jesus came and he died so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And thank God that God gave, gave the greatest gift because he's that crazy about you. At least somebody's crazy about you. Amen? Woo! About said more than I should have said. But just as he is a loving father who affirms his children, he's also a father who loves and cares about you so much that he wants to direct the word that we might call a four-letter word that's longer than four letters, discipline. Right? That he just disciplines us. I mean, he just doesn't simply say, you know, you can come do what you want to do. No, he comes and he affirms and he cares and he shows his approval because he loves us and he's proud of us, but, but he wants us to grow up. You've heard me talk about the difference between the technion and the huos. The technion is a, is a, a, a non-mature, small child, and the huos isn't a mature child. How many understand that you want your children to grow up to be mature children? You don't want them to be 45 years old, living in your basement, still uh, using your cable? You want to be active participants in society with a true love for God, right? And so we want them to grow and mature into, into a, a, a productive person in society. So we love them and we put boundaries and we discipline them for that sake. Amen? You know, 
My kids love to play video games. Your kids love to play video games, right? And the thing that, when I say, look, it's time to get off. It's time now to get off. (laughs) You know, the reason, and this is why I explained this to them, I said, if you can't get off of a video game, you, it puts you more apt to be addictive to other things. It starts a, an addictive personality, a, an addictive process. And so if you can't give up the little things when I say get off, then you'll have trouble in the later years. Amen? And so it's a process. You know, parents today, it's crazy because, you know, some of, in your generation, you grew up, you know, uh, beat pretty good, huh? And, and you had chores at young ages to do things. And, and some reason or another, it's like, well, you know, I don't want my kid to have to put up what I had to put up with. Huh? And, 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 then, and, and, and that pendulum has went from over here to extremes to whoop. Let's let them do what they want to. You might hurt their psyche. What in the world? Kids on the floor rolling around. I've got a course called How to Make Children Mine Without Losing Yours. <laughs> I actually do have that course if anybody needs it. But the thing is, is that we've let kids do whatever they want to do. And now, you know, in the understanding, I get it that in the early 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s, they didn't understand the the development of the brain. I mean, kids went to work in the meal at small ages because they were just thought of as little adults. They didn't understand the process of, of how the brain develops. They didn't understand all of the psychological ramifications of a child. I get that. But at the same time, there's boundaries that we set for children. We teach children we show them the right way. And God, just as His Word is the direction and light that, that lights our pathway to show us the way, we as parents show our children the way. When a kid is five years old and he's a little boy and tells his mom he wants to wear a dress, you've got to set some boundaries. We have to correctly affirm our children we have to show them that there's a better way we have to show them what is right and what's wrong if we're allowing children to lead our home then where are we going what are we doing so jesus came to show the the love and approval of a father and willing to accept them wherever they are but he also came to show them that there is a correct manner of living and he was willing to discipline and disciple them to show them the way just as we when we reflect the father in in our heart we will also be ones who approve and disciple others amen thank you jesus look I'm, i'm thankful for Homes who do their best. Look, I'm not saying we get it right all the time. Matt, we don't get it right all the time. But there's one thing we can do is we can always say, whoop, I made a mistake. We've got, we got to straighten this out. We've got, we got to get back on the right path. Ooh, I gotta go. 
Thank you, Jesus. Moving right along. So he is an everlasting father. Just as he's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, he's the prince of peace. When you read at the very beginning of when he was born, we, we read in Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to men who, who his favor rests. Think about this. Peace on earth. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Do not, I do not give as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. My peace, come on. But then we go into this other scripture, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You scratching your head yet? Huh? goes on, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36, a man's enemies will be the members of his own house. 37, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Hmm. So Jesus what kind of peace are you bringing? Y'all look quiet this morning. What are you saying? What, what are you the prince of? And I think to really understand this, you have to go back to Isaiah chapter 9 and 6 when it says the prince of peace. The word peace is the word shalom. And to understand what the this Prince of Shalom means, you have to understand that Shalom, peace, means completeness or wholeness. Amen? It is linked strongly to the concept of justice. The slogan, no justice, no peace, was not just a slogan that was brought up in the 1960s civil rights movement. It was literally a Hebrew meaning from this word. Shalom, because interestingly, the opposite of peace was not war, it was chaos. The opposite of peace was chaos. So when Isaiah writes that the, the coming Messiah would be called the Prince of Shalom or the Prince of Peace, he's not just saying the Messiah would come to bring the warm fuzzies to your home. Ooh, doesn't it feel good? There's peace. Some of y'all have those families you go to and you wonder, should I go this year or not? <laughs> there's seven of us, you know, and then there's like 20-something grandchildren and now they're great-grandchildren, so there's like 60 people shows up and I'm like, do I really want to go this year? I told, I told my mother, I said, this is going to be a great year. I don't know of anything going on, right? It's all beautiful, warm fuzzies. Woo! <laughs> But Jesus didn't come to just bring us warm fuzzies. He didn't just come to make us love everybody. That would be nice, but the promise is much greater than that. The Prince of Peace, Jesus came and brings order and wholeness into the chaos of the world. And that's what we need. 
I mean, the world's in chaos. He brings order to the chaos of our world, the chaos of our lives. The Prince of Shalom, he brings our broken fragments, our fragmented lives, and he, he brings peace and wholeness to all of that. Thank you, Jesus. But the only way that the Lord can bring that kind of completeness and wholeness to our lives is if we're willing to submit it to Him. Because the reality is, is that we've been given a free will, a volition to do what we want to do on this, on this earth. And we choose, Lord, I give it to you. Bring wholeness, put back together my life. And the fact is, is that so many people only bring a fragment of their life to God. They bring their Sunday morning life. Or they bring just pieces that they think are messed up and say, God, he's the problem. <laughs> right? God, she's the problem. If you'll fix her, my life will be all right. And the reality is, is that he's either Lord of all or he's Lord not at all. And he's got to be the king of all of our life. He has to be the one who truly is in charge and in control because he's a sovereign God. Amen? Come play me some... Oh, play me some mountain music. I told somebody last night, I said, you don't ever know what's going to come out of my mouth. God help us. But you know, when I think of this, I go back to that Matthew chapter 10, and I think the fact that Jesus said, look, a relationship with me is not always guaranteed that you won't have strife in this world. He said, because a true allegiance with me actually might not bring peace in your home. That's hard for us to grasp. A true relationship with me, not everybody's going to be able to accept. Not everybody's going to be jumping in for joy that you are surrendered to me. He said, but my guarantee to you is that even in the midst of your chaos, I can bring peace. You know, I think of Jesus when he was on the boat with the disciples and they were set out and a great storm came up. And Jesus was laying on a pillow in the back of the boat. And the Bible says that he was sleeping, sleeping. And here's these disciples, Jesus, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing here? I mean, look, the boat's taking on water. This is not good. We're going to die. And Jesus said, look, oh, you of little faith. We get our eyes so set on the circumstances around us that we don't allow the king of glory the ability to say, you're all right. Because that peace is... First of all, a peace with Him. 
How many know this is great to be in peace in your relationship with God? But then when we have peace with God, it also brings a peace within ourselves, a calmness, because we understand that all of this is temporary. Yes, it might, boom, go away, and we're wondering how in the world we're going to make it. But our peace to know that, man, God, you've got me, and I've got you. And when we have that kind of peace, the Bible, it, it doesn't say uh, that, we, that you've got to have peace with everybody. It says, live at peace as much it per, as it pertains to you. And then, so therefore, God, not only do we have peace with him, we have peace with ourselves, then we're able to have peace with others. We can say, I know you're upset with me, and I'm praying that you'll forgive me for whatever's going on, but I want you to know this, I've got peace with you. Isn't that awesome? You've probably heard this illustration, and I'm going to use this in closing, but Little day, uh, one father got up really early one morning at five o'clock in the morning, and he got his cup of coffee and his paper, and he was down sitting at the kitchen table, and he said, "Oh, peace. I'm good. Can drink my coffee and read my paper." But all of a sudden, this little five-year-old daughter comes running, bounding through the stairs, rubbing her eyes. Hey, Daddy. Baby, go back to bed. Aren't you still sleepy? But I'm not tired, Daddy. And he's thinking, oh, man, all I want to do is drink my cup of coffee and read my paper and leave me alone. So he gets this great idea because he's looking at the paper and there's this picture of the world on the paper. And so he's like, okay, I can do this. So he cuts out this world. And then he cuts it up into little pieces and he sets it on the dining room table and says, here, honey, put this together. And so he goes back to the kitchen table and is like, I can read. He takes a couple sips of the coffee and all of a sudden, hey, Daddy, I'm done. <laughs> He's like, how did you get finished so fast? And she said, well, Daddy, on the back side, there's a picture of a man. He said, when I, when I put the man together, the world came together. How can you argue with that, right? And I believe that if we truly want to see our world come together, that we need to put the person together. And the great thing is, is that Jesus has given us everything we need. Isn't that what the word says? Everything that we need to live holy, righteous. And so if we would quit trying to fix everybody else and we'd put this person together, the world would come together. Amen? How many want your world to come together? Amen. Can you stand this morning? Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, 
and the weight of the government upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. This morning, I don't know specifically what your need is, and, and maybe you've already come to this altar this morning, and you've been, woo, thank you, Jesus, set free. But I don't want to let anyone leave without the opportunity to say, I need Jesus in my life. And you say this morning, my world's chaotic, and, and I need the peace speaker to step into my world. If that's you this morning, don't be afraid to come forward and let us pray with you. Because we're, we're here to hold you up. We want to be an Aaron and a Her to lift up your hands in your battle. To see the Lord be victorious in you. As we close in prayer, I want you to remember Tony because his brother Irvil passed away uh, this past week. Also remember Miss Donna Philcox. Her brother passed away this week as well. And we're just going to pray that God will bring peace into their storms, the Gregory's home and the Philcox home. Father, I thank you, Jesus. That, Lord, you are the peace speaker. And I'm thankful, God, that, that you've made a way that we can know you. Lord, that you have come that we might be reconciled in our relationship with God. That we might have peace with God. And, Lord, I pray that if we have, are struggling in our, in our everyday life and it's chaotic, that, God, we will stop and recognize that, you are a God of peace, of shalom. And I pray that you will speak completeness and wholeness in the families in this room. And Lord, if, if we're feeling lost because we have lost a loved one over this past year and we're struggling through those things, I pray that you will speak peace into their chaos. And Lord, that you will embrace them during this time. And God, that you will give revelation to friends and family to be able to embrace those who are struggling. Lord, help us to know, God, that you are here to affirm, to encourage, to direct, to lead, and to set in our lives your plan. And I pray that we will find that wholeness and peace in you in this season, Jesus. Thank you that you are a wonderful counselor. Thank you that you are a mighty God, thank you, Lord, that you are an everlasting Father. And thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, may this season be a season where we let the light of Jesus shine through us, that we reflect as ambassadors the light of the light that you have instilled in us. Lord, may we not put it under a bushel, but Lord, may we be a city on a hill shining brighter for you. God, we love you and we honor you. We praise you and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remember next week 
10 o'clock in the morning in the commons. We will have um, some pastries and things. Can I give you one piece of good news? Y'all like good news? We wrote the last payment on the church this week. We are debt-free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But with that said, we're going we're gonna to celebrate that at the end of, of January. But with that said is, is that we had a choice to make, pay off the debt or buy the sign. So we have the $10,000 raised. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus, for that? Amen. Amen. But we also decided in our meeting that we would not take our account below a certain amount to purchase the sign. So we couldn't do both. So we're going to wait another month and, and keep on raising money and building our fund back up so that, Lord willing, by the end of January or the 1st of February, we can purchase a new digital sign. All right? So thank you guys for all of your giving. Thank you guys for seeing it happen. We're debt-free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. See you Wednesday night for the Christmas parties and next Sunday for a fellowship time and children's play. God bless you.